1: Okay, I'm going to speak as a fool, he says here. I am more. Now, he understands that's just kind of a crazy thing to say, but that's what these guys were saying, that they were more Christian than Paul. But he goes on. He says, in labors, more abundant. In stripes, above measure. In prisons, more frequently. In deaths, often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. In other words, the 39 stripes that were legal for the Jews to give someone.
0: Pastor David teaches about the strength of Paul's endurance for ministry. When reading 2 Corinthians, it becomes clear that Paul still needed to defend himself, and Paul had an impressive resume when it came to ministry. Through the strength of God in him, Paul endured incredibly difficult circumstances for the sake of the gospel. As you wonder whether you can make it, the story of Paul's life can be an example because God brought him through impossible situations just as God can with you. Now here's Pastor David with part one of today's message entitled, Love in the Midst of Conflict.
1: Hey, we are in uh, 2 Corinthians, the book of uh, 2 Corinthians. If you've got a Bible, I invite you to turn there. Now, this study that we've been in now for a while, 1 Corinthians and and now in 2 Corinthians, it's been a real eye-opener, I think, uh, or at least it should be for us as we look at this. Through these studies, we see how a church that was birthed within about 30 years or so from the time of Christ's death, burial, and his resurrection has already had tons of problems, tons of, of issues that, again, the, the humanity of it all was, was very glaringly apparent in the church in Corinth. Is it any wonder today that, that churches have problems? You know, we're like 2,000 years now since Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. Uh, is there any wonder today why the churches are filled with confusion? Churches are having all these inner power struggles, churches filled with immorality, churches focused on entertainment rather than uh, really studying the Word of God, or they're focused on social issues, which are good and they need to be there. But when social issues take precedence over the teaching and the preaching of the Word of God and the discipling and the equipping of saints, then we're out of balance on all of that. Again, the the church can get so far off of that pure track of growing in their knowledge and in their understanding of the kingdom of God and God's call to his church uh, corporately and to each one of us individually. When we look at these situations like Corinth, it's only natural to be amazed uh, that, that Corinth even survived at all. In fact, it's it's amazing that here 2,000 years later, the church is still alive and well. With all of our warts, with all of our stains, with all of our cracks, with all of our issues, the church still survives. The gospel remains. The word of God continues on, and that truth continues to go on out against all odds. But I believe it's been through that miraculous hand of God that both Israel as a nation and the church itself are still alive and still working and growing. We look at all of this and we think, it's only by the hand of God. Amen? Amen. Okay, I want to make sure you guys are with me tonight. Okay, I did, want to make sure I'm not with a frozen chosen tonight. I know it got cold this morning, but you will be fine. Okay. So what we see here in the earlier stages of the church are those that God had called and he ordained to continue the work of evangelizing and of building the church. And these men and these women, they're under constant attack. They're under constant attack, some of them from the very churches that they helped birth, that they assisted not only in their birthing, but also in the continual growth of it. And that's the issue that we have with Paul that we see both in 1 Corinthians and now even here in 2 Corinthians. Now this might get a little confusing for you if you've not been in the study Or maybe even if you have been in the study, because again, I need to pause every once in a while and remember this, that again, what we have here in this second letter of Corinthians is actually what we know to be probably, most likely, the fourth letter to the Corinthians. Remember, we've been speaking about this since we got into Corinthians, that there was probably a letter because Paul responds to a lot of questions and a lot of issues that they had written to him. Paul says, the things you have written to me, I'm responding to. And he writes that in 1 Corinthians. So there apparently was one before 1 Corinthians. Then there was 1 Corinthians that we have. And then apparently as we're reading through 2 Corinthians, there was another letter in between 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians that we don't have. So we actually have before us 2nd and 4th Corinthians, okay? Now, I, that's, if, if you're still with me, we'll refer to them as 1st and 2nd, okay, just so we don't get all confused here. So anyway, through all of these letters, both of these letters that we have written and that are before us, but also, I believe, including the other ones that we don't have record of other than Paul's comments about them. But there seems to be this ongoing discussion that's happening here. Uh, Some might say this ongoing battle. A battle between some that are in Corinth and Paul's authority and Paul's preaching. Between some of these more uh, vocal members of the church at Corinth as they've come against the Apostle Paul. Throughout both of the letters that we have, because of some of the references to these other letters... We see this discussion continuing on, this debate or this battle going on. Some are doubting Paul's apostleship, his authority in the church, his personal commitment to, to the church or to Corinth itself, his integrity in areas of ministry, in areas of stewardship, as well as... Even Paul's interpretation of the gospel message, there, there seems to be issues, and so Paul is addressing these, and we'll see those as we continue on in 2 Corinthians. These complaints, these arguments, these discussions seem to be only coming from a few. It doesn't seem to be from the whole church, because Paul's love for this church continues on very deeply. I mean, if the whole church were acting like this, I think Paul would say, see ya apparently it's only some within the church that are causing this dissension within the body and these attacks against the Apostle Paul. So again, Paul felt it was necessary to confront those issues in a really broad sense by sending these letters to the churches rather than necessarily just speaking to one person or another, because the influence of those vocal members had impacted more more than likely the whole church. Some of you have probably been in churches where rumors or innuendos or murmurings or complaints uh, had started within the church and it becomes an infection. I mean it it spreads worse than any disease as it goes through the church. Now I've been in church long enough. I know that there are sometimes that there are honest concerns within a church that need to be addressed, but there are ways of doing that. One-on-one with the pastor, one-on-one with the elders or with the board or the leadership doing that. But it's when the murmuring and the complaining starts growing and weaving its way through the congregation, that's when, again, it does damage. And that's what Paul is dealing with. That's why he's writing to the whole church here and, and sending them the answers to these problems. Hopefully... You'll recall that the last time that we were here, that we looked at this section, uh, we ended up with Paul reminding the Corinthians of some of the issues that he personally had to go through because he was a missionary, because God had called him to serve and to minister to the churches, not only to in ministry to the church there in Corinth, but in all of his travels as he continued on to proclaim the gospel. Now, he didn't do this in in a bragging way, oh, I, I had to deal with this and I had to deal with that and you guys ought to really you know, look up to me. No, that's not Paul's attitude at all. Paul was simply saying, he was declaring, hey, this is, what's, this is what's taking place in my life. You need to come to understand that. He tried to help the Corinthians to see or to understand more fully his commitment to the Lord because many were doubting that commitment. To help them to understand and see his commitment to ministry because some were really doubting how committed Paul was to ministry, how committed he was to the church in Corinth because some were even doubting his real commitment to them. And so we had ended last time in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 10 and 11. And I'd like to take off from there again. Actually, I'm going to back up to verse 8 to kind of give you, again, the understanding there, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8. Paul writes, For we don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble which came to us in Asia. For we were burdened beyond measure and above strength. So that we despaired even of life. Yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a death and does deliver us, and in whom we trust that he will still deliver us. And he adds there verse 11 you also helping together in prayer for us that thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf for the gift granted to us through many. So again, Paul knew it wasn't everybody in Corinth. He knew that the problems were only coming from a few and he was trying to deal with that situation. Now for you and I today, man, in in case you haven't figured it out yet, ministry can be physically, mentally, and spiritually exhausting. And a lot of times it can take a serious toll on on the life of a minister or uh, on his family, particularly those that are serving in areas of missions, particularly in foreign missions, in a foreign land or traveling and trying to break new ground with the gospel and again going against all kinds of conflict and and all kinds of attack of the enemy as they're trying to share the hope and, and the blessings of God with the people. And as I said, as Paul lays these issues out to the church, he's not boasting about any of this. He's simply stating the harsh reality of what it took for him to spread the gospel into that culture and in the places that God had called him to go. It's just a reality. A few weeks ago, we had Wes Bentley from Far Reaching Ministry, and Wes shared some stuff with us. It was just absolutely amazing. And and Wes wanted to make sure, I, I, I need you to know, I'm, I'm not boasting here. I'm not trying to puff myself up. I just want to tell you how things are there on the mission field. And that's exactly what Paul is doing right here. In the midst of all of the distractors, in the midst of all of the attackers within the church of Corinth, Paul clearly reminds them, listen guys, in all that's going on with me, it's been the work of God. It's not been the work of a man. It's not in my own strength. It's not in my own ability. God has been the one that's strengthened me and enabled me through all of these things. Man, you gotta understand, man on his own, on his own strength, (laughs) he'd perish if they had to go through all that Paul went. Or at best, they'd give up. Like I said, just say, hey, forget it, man. This is not what I signed up for. I'm gonna go get a job at Walmart and push carts or something, but I'm not gonna deal in this area of ministry. Paul reminded them again to be faithful to the call because Paul remained faithful to his call even in the midst of all of these issues that were going on. Through the midst of all of these trials, through all of these struggles, Paul remained faithful. And you know what? Paul was now able to see a great harvest coming about, not only in Corinth, but in the multitude of churches that he had planted, that he had served and ministered and equipped and uh, just encouraged in all of his travels. The people of Corinth, though, they were truly a testimony of Paul's ministry, and he wanted to let them know that. Man, you're, you're part of my ministry. You're a testimony of the work of God that's been going on here among you. And yet it's so amazing how often Paul has to defend himself and his character to this very church. He was the one that birthed that church by coming down into Corinth and preaching the gospel, people getting saved, the church growing, the Lord adding to the church on a continual basis. Paul was the one that planted that church, and now he finds himself having to defend himself to a church that was so dear to him. He was so committed to that ministry, and to them, even through all of the risks that it took for him to serve and to minister. And again, you got to remember, traveling to Corinth for Paul wasn't like you and I um, driving up to Flagstaff. Oh, it's kind of snowy, so it's kind of dangerous. No, it was all, man, it was either by ship or uh, walking most of the time, all the perils that came along there, just those ordinary perils of travel during that day, or those that would attack, that would come against him, the the religious rulers that would come against him, the Judaizers within the church, those that still wanted the Christians to be just as much Jews as they were Christians, that battle there. Those that wanted to have their own place of power and authority, and so they kept trying to put Paul down in order that they might lift themselves up. It's interesting when we Look at what we see here here in chapter 1 as we looked there in verses 8 through 10 Paul shared all those things that he had to go through all those battles that were going but yet at the same time we see actually including this one there are four separate occasions in the book of 2 Corinthians where Paul is defending himself that's crazy but that's what we see here I'm not going to go into great detail in these, but we see him defending himself in chapter 4, chapter 6, and chapter 11, as well as this time in chapter 1. Turn with me, if you would, to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. and I'm I'm not going to go into into it in, in any depth, but it absolutely amazes me how much Paul has to say about how committed he is to the ministry and how committed he is to the people there in Corinth. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, down in verse 5, we read these words. Paul writing to the Corinthian church. He says, For we don't preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ the Lord, and ourselves your bondservants for Jesus' sake. Down in verse 8, he continues. Need to understand we're hard-pressed on every side, yet we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. Always caring about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also might be manifested in our body. Again, explaining to them all that we're going through. Look at chapter 6, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Here he gives another a little bit longer In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning in verse 3, Paul writes to him and says, Look, we give no offense in anything that our ministry might not be blamed. But in all things we commend ourselves as ministers of God in much patience and in tribulations, in needs and in distresses. In stripes and in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in sleeplessness, in fastings, in purity, by knowledge, by long suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Spirit, by sincere love, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers and yet being true as unknown and yet well known, as dying and yet behold we live, as chastened and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet possessing all things. And then I love this last verse 11. He says, O Corinthians, we spoke openly to you. Our heart is wide open. He's pleading with these guys. Look, I'm not trying to deceive you. I'm not trying to trick you. I'm not trying to put a scam over you. My heart is yours, and I've, I've been as transparent as I possibly can to help you to be able to see that. And then near the end of 2 Corinthians, over in chapter 11, again, it gives a rather lengthy declaration or this defense against these enemies from Corinth. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, look down in verse 22 these that had come against him, they were speaking that they were, we're more Christian than you are. Where you get that level, I don't know. We've come from a strong Jewish background and now we're more Christian than you are. They're putting themselves above Paul in all kinds of places. And so Paul writes these things in Second Corinthians chapter 11 down in verse 22, he begins, are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? Well, so am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? Well, so am I. Are they ministers of Christ? Okay, I'm going to speak as a fool, he says here. I am more. Now, he understands that's just kind of a crazy thing to say, but that's what these guys were saying, that they were more Christian than Paul. But he goes on. He says, in labors, more abundant. In stripes, above measure. In prisons, more frequently. In deaths, often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. In other words, the 39 stripes that were legal for the Jews to give someone. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked, a night and a day. I've been in, or a night and a day I've been in the deep. In journeys often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of mine own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches." Who is weak and I'm not weak? Who's made to stumble and I don't burn with indignation? If I must boast, I will boast in the things which concern my infirmity. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is blessed forever, knows that I'm not lying. In Damascus, he says, under Aratus, the the king, he was guarding the city of the Damascans with a garrison and he was desiring to arrest me. But I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall, and I escaped from his hands. It goes on now into chapter 12 uh, about seeing this vision that the Lord gave him. But when you skip down uh, to verse 6 of chapter 12, he says, For though I might desire to boast, I will not be a fool. For I will speak the truth, but I refrain, lest anyone should think of me above what he sees me to be or hears from me. Beloved, I don't know about you, but that seems to be to, to be quite the Christian missionary resume. And then I have to ask the question, do you really want to go into ministry? And I think that I would probably take any young person who's desiring to go into ministry. Well, let's take a look and see what it really involves. Do you, are, you, are you ready to... To, to experience these kinds of things? Are you so surrendered in your life that you're willing to subject yourself To this kind of thing. Now, we might think, well, today, in our culture today, that's not like that. We just simply start a little Bible study. People come along. The church grows. You finally get some property in a building. More people come. The church grows. And yet, beloved, you need to understand that even in the simplicity and even in the relative comfort of what we have in our culture, there's still a tremendous amount of battles that come our way. I've not been in prison for the gospel. I've never been shipwrecked neither for a day or a night or an hour. I've, I've never been uh, uh, beaten with rods, and I've never been stoned, either with rocks or the other kind. I've never been stoned, okay? But yet there's battles that go on in ministry.
0: That's all the time we have for today on The Open Word. We hope today's message has touched you. Pastor David Landry will continue teaching through the book of 2 Corinthians on the next edition of The Open Word. But right now, we'd like to share how you can hear more from Pastor David. Just visit theopenword.com and click on Teachings to hear or download past messages. You can also get in contact with us with any questions you might have or let us know how we can be praying for you on your faith journey. You can also connect with us on Facebook, We're thankful that you've listened to today's message, but want to make sure that this isn't your only source of spiritual nurturing. We encourage you to find a church family who will help you grow in your walk with God. If you live in or are visiting the Casa Grande area, Pastor David has an invitation just for
1: you. Hey, thanks, Chris. I'd like to personally invite you to join us here at Calvary Chapel in Casa Grande for a time of worship, fellowship, and studying the Word of God. We meet Saturday nights at 6.30, Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m., and Wednesday evenings at 6.30. You can find our address and our directions by visiting theopenword.com and following the links at the bottom of the page to our church website. I look forward to meeting you in person and sharing this journey of faith with you. Thanks, Pastor David. That's all the time we have for today. But be sure to tune
0: in next time for another edition of The Open Word.